Hi, I'm Brandy. And I'm Angelina. And welcome to Talk 40 to Me. We're having all the candid conversations you'd have with your bestie. Join us as we unpack life in our 40s and all the questions that led up to this next chapter. Hi, everyone. This is Brandy. And this is Angelina. Welcome to another episode of Talk 40 to Me. Welcome back. We are, we always talk about how we, we're so excited, but this one today, I really am really excited about it. We could Google <laughs> synonyms. Let's just say elated today. Elated. We're very we're elated. elated. I would like to introduce Tanya Wade-Williams. She is a first-time author and marketing executive with over 20 years of experience leading marketing organizations in financial services, SAAS, mid-stage startups, and healthcare. She is a proud SBCU alum, having earned her bachelor's degree from Hampton University. And Tanya also holds an executive MBA from Baylor University and is a Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated member. Tanya's proudest achievement is the mother of two amazing adult children and one grandchild who is the apple of her eye, and she resides in Dallas with her best friend and husband, Andre. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Welcome. We're so you happy look, you're here. You look super young. Never would have guessed you have a grandchild. Yes, I am a very proud Gigi. He is the love of my life. My husband doesn't mind me saying so, but there's no competition. He is, he's the guy, but thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I've got good dreams, you know? Thank you. <laughs> yes. So Tanya, I know we just kind of shared a little bit about you. Do you want to share a little bit more about your background and your story? Oh my goodness, my story. Well, I was a, actually a stay-at-home mom for almost a decade. And that's job I've ever had. And then went and worked outside the home. And so that's how I started my career in, in marketing and, and started my career late because I got married pretty quickly out of undergrad. And so I had only worked a couple of years and then I was a stay-at-home mom. So I didn't really start my career until my, my 30s. So I like to say I'm a late bloomer. Everything I've done, it seems to be I've done sort of later in life. But yeah, I've been in marketing for over 20 years now, and I'm about to embark on a new adventure that I'm super excited about as well. So yeah, yeah. So uh, so things are good, and it's been a great ride so far. I mean, you never cease to amaze me. And and oh. for, the, for our audience, like Tanya and I have gone, gosh... We've known each other for 10 years now. Yes, over. I can't believe it's been that long. right? And this woman exudes confidence. And I have learned so much from her. She and I are both in the marketing field. And just how you are able to create, you know, essentially create your own destiny and, and say, this is what I'm going to do. And you make it happen. And I love that. And, and I just want to like learn more from you on how you do that. Cause I have all these dreams and ambitions and aspirations. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe that probably isn't the right direction I should go in and it can easily talk myself out of it. And, and one of the things that I love about the guests that we've been bringing on is, is how they, really take their vision and their passion and they create something with it. So I can't wait to dive into that more. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing that we noticed when we were looking at your bio on your website, and that is this 
particular quote that Tanya is an excellent student, but she socializes with her classmates a little too much. And it's something that your parents heard from your teacher. Angelina and I, funny enough, we had the same experience. When we were in second grade, we were literally like written up every day for talking too much <laughs> and being a little too social. And here we are, we write, we speak, we, we do presentations for a living. So tell us a little bit more about how this has shaped who you are today and how it's positively affected your life. Oh my goodness. Like, I wish I could find that teacher, but it, I have that report card. I keep it in a, my mom used to keep it in a photo album. So I have that photo album and, and I keep it because I got straight A's. But, but it was all about me socializing so much with everyone. Like, and that quote, I think, sort of encapsulates my life, but I didn't look at it for so many years as a strength. And I think a lot of times for girls and for women, that is not looked at as a strength, you know, and we need to embrace it because just like you just said, you, you use this skill for a living, you know, and have made an amazing career. And you are kind of that same little girl, those same skills that you had then you've honed over a lifetime. And so now I just em embrace it and I look at it as a strength. And it's because, and, and because of that strength, I think I have been successful in my career. I have been able to be a spokesperson for companies and and do all these amazing things. And it's and I'm still that little girl who probably does talk too much. But even as a leader in business, I am very relational and I find that people do enjoy working for me and I'm able to build really strong, high functioning teams. I think because I really do care about people at my heart and part of that being that talkative little girl is that I'm relational and I like to get to know about people and the real you. I'm not super great at small talk because I want to go go in and, and learn about you and your life and, and those types of things. And I really genuinely care. So now I look at it as sort of a superpower. <laughs> I love that. It makes me feel like we're in kindred spirits, you know? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to ask about, I just think it's super inspirational and amazing that you wrote a book. Just, I know that I, I can't imagine what that process is like to go through that. So can you tell us more? So your book is titled Suddenly Single. Can you tell us more about that journey and, you know, your inspiration behind the book? Oh, look, bring yeah. it I mean, how cool I is started that? reading it at the minute. I mean, uh -huh. she posted it on her social page that she wrote a book and a link to Amazon. I was like, what? <laughs> you wrote a book? And I just saw you, what, this summer? Uh-huh. Yeah. So we had lunch this summer. I was like, I didn't know about this. And I immediately went by. I'm still reading it. But oh, I was yeah. like, I can't wait to, to dive into this. Like. I have a friend who's an author. <laughs> so thank cool. You. Well, thank you for writing, for buying the book, first of all. I mean, that always just makes me so, so happy. Yeah. So I've always written pretty much my whole life. I mean, uh, I, as a little girl, used to write a ton 
of short stories. I, I was an only child for many, many, many years. And I was a, an avid, avid reader. I would spend the whole weekend reading books and, and writing and creating um, scenes in my head that I would act out myself. And so, so I've always written. And then, of course, being a marketer, I've always had to write for business. So I've written tons of things for business, but I've never released something so personal. And this is something that started a decade ago. So I'm not, you know, I always say I'm not the fastest writer in the world. I suffer from heavy procrastination, but really part of it too is fear. I was, and Brandy, you alluded to it earlier about, you know, having ideas and then not you know, doing it or talking yourself out of them. And that was absolutely me. And that really came from a place of fear, fear of rejection, fear of people not accepting it, fear of being judged, all those types of things. Right. And so I would just write occasionally, you know, when I was inspired and over the 10 years, but these five women really just would not let me go. So they were really the beginning of of the book and who these five women were. And what I found in my writing process is that I love, love, love writing dialogue. That is my absolute favorite thing. So I would write like blurbs or pieces of scenes like I did as a little girl. And that's really what started, but I didn't know like how in the world do you make this into a whole book that somebody is going to read and and create the whole story around it. So it took me a long time. And I talked to other authors um, to see how they did it. And, And finally, 18 months ago or so, I decided I am going to finish this book. And talking about it, all my circle of girlfriends knew, you know, about it, but that I'm going to finally finish and release this book. And so, and I did, and I couldn't be more thrilled, but it's not something I really talked about openly because it's like, once you put it out there in the world, now you're accountable to it. So I would have to do it. So as long as people didn't know, I could sort of keep it to myself. And my girls would keep asking me, when are you going to write this book? And, and, you know, they hold me accountable. And so I do a vision board every year. And a couple of years ago, I put it on there. And it was the one thing, it's been on my vision board the last probably three years. And it was the one thing that hadn't come to pass, like the other things happened. But that was the one thing that didn't. And I'm like, I, let me really buckle down and do this. And so, and I did. And it was grueling. I never, you know, kind of thought of myself as an author because I had too much respect for writers to to really think of myself in that category because that process is absolutely grueling. It's it's rough. But but you know, you just have to buckle down and do a little at a time and find a process that works for you. And like I said, my process is really around the dialogue. And so I think that's why it's such a fun read because p- women read that and like, oh my God, this sounds just like me and my girlfriends, you know? And so, yeah, that's it. And that's how I got it done. But, you know, it didn't get done quickly. I'm hoping, you know, knock on wood, the next book will be a lot faster than this one. That's amazing. I've listened to some other authors like on their podcast and they were talking about what their process is and how they sort of create this timeline almost and work through that. Otherwise it kind of keeps them holding themselves accountable 
for how I, how they make it happen. Are you yeah. now? Are you self-published, or did you work with mm -hmm. a publisher? I'm self-published because I talked to, like I said, some writers. One, a New York Times bestseller, and they both just told me how difficult, you know, it is these days to find publishers, to be quite honest, for un somebody unknown that doesn't have like a million followers on social and, and things like that. It's really, really, really difficult. They have both been really successful self-publishing. And so that's why I chose that route. I have, of course, bigger goals and bigger plans, but I think starting there and getting it out into the world and seeing what the reaction is first has been a good way for me to go about it. I took it super seriously. Like some will self-publish and maybe not have the marketing around it that they really need and be not take the time. There's a lot of errors in the book and things like that. That's kind of um, a notorious thing you hear about self-published books. But I went out here with a goal that I, you know, I want this to be big. I, I didn't want it to stay like, you know, my little personal project. So I, I, I think I took it seriously from the beginning. And of course, as a marketer, I thought about all those things that should surround it. So, yeah. Very cool. It's so interesting to learn about the process and how you evaluate, you know, do you go with publisher? Do you not? How do you speak with writers? How do you kind of take this idea and bring it to life and all the complexities mm -hmm. in terms of writing a novel. So that's mm -hmm. really interesting. I could like go down that rabbit hole for <laughs> an hour with you. Uh, but to keep us on task, in the book, the main character relies on her core group of friends to get through the toughest times in her life. And I think for so many of us, you know, we have our, our group, our sisters who we maybe aren't blood sisters, but, but it, life sisters and, and just like Angelina and I and our group of friends. So we can totally relate to that. How does this parallel with your own life? And what advice would you have for other women who are in search of their tribe? Oh, well, yeah, this, uh, so the book is a book of fiction, but it is semi-autobiographical. There are some things in there that are very, very real. And these five women are based on my tribe. So everyone is sort of in these characters. There's no one character like this is so-and-so and this is so-and-so, but we're all a part of these five women. And they are, anyone who knows me knows my girls are like, they are family. You know, they, we are not related by blood, by any stretch of the imagination, but we are sisters in every sense of the word. You know, we know where all the bodies are buried. We know all the things. And it's like Oprah and Gail, you know, and I have my gales uh, around me and, and we support each other. You know, we, man, the laughs we have crying, laughing about things, but the level of support that I feel from these women is incredible. We just support each other. We hold each other accountable. And I think, I don't, I hate this trope of uh, women being quote unquote catty or not supporting each other and not being able to be good friends to one another, because I don't believe that's true. 
And um, just like you just talked about, you're, you have a tribe and you, you relate to this. I know that I am not the only one. And so I wanted to kind of buck that. And I think the advice for women looking for their tribe, I think that you have to first sort of if these are not women that you like grew up with, like you all have been friends, you know, since elementary school, my best friends, we have been best friends since we were 13. Not everyone has that story. All of my other girlfriends are, have been in my life for, you know, 20 years, maybe some 10 years or 15 years. So it hasn't been like all of my life type of scenario. But I think it's just important to do some internal work on yourself and come into any relationship as full as you can be in that season of your life so that you can pour into other people and not just be a person that's pulling from folks all the time, you know, that you know how to be a friend and a supporter and a sister to someone. I think that's really important as well. And to know sort of what your non-negotiables in life are, we all have them. So what type of people do you want around you and do you need around you, you know, because my friends all have gifts that I don't have and vice versa. So we're able to give each other good advice on things that they may not be good at, but I'm good at and, and stuff that I'm not good at, they are. And so I think it's important to know those things and then be open, um, be open to finding friendships. You know, it does get difficult as you age to find those those groups of friends. And, and so, but be open to it because some of my best friends I found in my 40s. So it's not that it can't be done, but I think because I was just open to it and was really self-realized and knew kind of the type of people that I like to be around, the universe sort of met me there and brought those women to me. That's such a good point because I think you find friends in all different areas and seasons of your life too, because you have to be open to it. Like you said, have an open heart. Yeah. And so like Brandy and I have our core group from when we were very little. And then we've also added friends over the years at different times in our, like our work friends, people that, you know, you cross paths with, or maybe there's people that you make friends with throughout your children growing up. So you're like, that's your mom friends. And I think every, every group has a place and a season for your life. But I do believe what you're saying that this a tribe is super important to have, you know, it, it just gives you like, they lift you up. And I feel like everybody has their different roles. Like Brandy for sure is the cheerleader in our group. And so it's like every group, everybody's got a place and it just, it flows for each mm -hmm. of you. And mm -hmm. so I love that you have that story and you paralleled it with your book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were really the, a lot of the inspiration, to be quite honest, they were the inspiration for it in so many ways, because I'm like, these women are hilarious. These conversations. <laughs> oh, the the conversations I in this book. I was like, like first page in, I was like, oh, all right, here we go. We're jumping into yeah. this right away. 
right away. Yeah. And it, it's spicy. You know, I want to make sure people know this is not, this is for mature audiences only. This is not a book for the young ones. It is definitely for an older audience, but it, it's just a fun read. I just wanted people to have fun reading it. Well, you had a quote, you know, speaking of, you know, an older audience, you said, I always believed in the beauty of aging like fine wine. I never bought into this old trope that women over 40 are washed up and past their prime. I wanted to write a story where we are centered, enjoying sex, dating, and living our best lives. So this is really a cornerstone for why we started the podcast, that we didn't want to play into this notion that, okay, you're 40, it's all over. It's downhill from here, you know? So- we're passionate about this. Can you expand more on this? And what about your 40s has been the best for you? Oh, my gosh. Well, my 40s were amazing. I mean, I grew so much and I learned the importance of doing things afraid, you know, and not being ruled by fear anymore. I think you start really thinking about your mortality in a different way, and it gives you courage that you might not have had in your 20s and 30s. And I'm telling you, I had the best time in my 40s. It, I just did. But, you know, I really did. I found myself suddenly single and I had been married most of my adult life. And how in the world do I even date? I had literally no. So there's a scene in there uh, in the book that is a real scene that really happened when I was trying to figure out the first time that I went out as a single woman. That really did happen. And but yeah, I've always sort of felt this. I come from a family of some really amazing women. My grandmother lived to be 103 and she was, oh gosh, she was a stunner. She would walk in the room and light up a room. She had this smile and style. She didn't stop wearing heels. And I mean, high heels until she was well into her eighties. And she only stopped wearing them because her eyesight started going at the point and she couldn't see. So I, so to be quite honest, I can't even say, oh, this just all comes from me. This is what I saw growing up that these women never looked their age they never acted their age either. You know, my grandmother loved to entertain and she loved to dance and she loved a good drink and, you know, she loved to cook for her family and friends. So it was a very just lively, you know, and even my ex-mother-in-law who had such a profound uh, impact on my life, we were so close and even after the divorce, super duper close. And she was a woman that um, is was an incredible human being. And she also was super youthful. And she always kept um, young people around her, and which I think helped keep her young. And so I, I just never had a model of sort of being washed up at 40, that just wasn't my experience. And and I never, ever, ever wanted to fall into that either. And honestly, I feel like these are and have been the best years of my life. And I say that completely 
honestly. And and it, it's just been incredible. I love the wisdom also that comes with this age. You know, I love the disposable income that comes with this age that I can do things and and have so much fun. It's just a great time. And I don't want any woman to think, oh my gosh, I, I've hit 40 and somehow I'm quote unquote over the hill because that is just not not true at all. So good. And I was just listening and like absorbing like a little sponge because I think <laughs> that it's so amazing that, you know, you grew up with having these, you know, amazing women as role models and the liveliness of your family. And oh my gosh, your grandmother, how cool is that? I know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I have a picture. Her birthday, well, of course she's passed now, but her birthday, uh, she, her birthday was October 17th. And so it's coming up. And so a picture, one of my favorite pictures of her came up on my memories and it was like in the forties and it just looked like something out of a movie. I mean, she's got this long, beautiful taffeta dress on and her hair is done. And I just love that picture so much. And I posted it one year for her birthday, just kind of honoring her. But my mom was also the same. She was incredible, you know? And so, yeah, that those were my, my examples, you know? So I just didn't know another way to be also. Love it. Now, before we close out this segment and move on to our next segment, do you have any advice that you could share to our listeners about taking that leap, leap of faith and embarking on a dream project or ambition? Yeah, just do it afraid. That is my biggest, you know, people, you'll hear people say, oh, don't be scared, you know, just do it and those types of things. And I don't, I think don't be scared is not realistic because when you're doing big things or something new, something bigger than you've ever done before, it's scary. It is scary. There's no way around that, but do it afraid because you just never know what is going to happen. And I really, really believe that, you know, sort of the universe meets us, meets our effort. And so when we go out and we do something bold, no matter what that means for us, but something bold, something new, something daring, I believe the universe meets us there. And it's sort of like the universe has been waiting on us to move. And so just do it. But guess what? Even if it doesn't turn out great the way you expected it to turn out, guess what you've just done? You've learned something to leverage in the next time. And then you've also built that muscle of doing it afraid. And so that you can do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So that is my biggest advice. Just do it afraid. You're going to be scared. You're going to be terrified possibly. And just do it. And also talk to other people who have done the thing that you might want to do and get some advice that never hurts because you find, I found that people are so willing to share their knowledge and share their mistakes too. So you don't make the same ones, but we just don't ask. And if we ask, I have not found a person that is not super willing to have a conversation and give me advice. So seek out that advice and then just do it afraid. Do it afraid. Also that you acknowledge that. Yes. 
I like because that. a lot of times you're like, oh, it'll be fine. It's okay. Blah, blah. But the fact that you said like, you're going to be scared. You're just do it anyway. I think do it. acknowledging it that that's part of the process is yep. kind of eye-opening. It's obvious in a way, but you don't really think about that. You just wait for that right moment and there never really is. Like having kids. Like, are you ever really ready? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? You just do no. it. <laughs> just do it. That's right. Because it's it's so worth it, right? It's going to be so worth it. But yeah, just do it afraid. It brings me back to our conversation with Kathy Galloway from our first season. Where she that. said she, her thing that she said that really stuck with me was, you can do hard things. Ooh, mm, I and love that. She's like, we can do hard things. We were built to do hard things. And I feel like this also kind of closes in that statement of you can do hard things and it's okay to be afraid to do them, but just do it. So I I love, I love these little nuggets that we get because for me, it's almost like I could put all of these on like sticky notes and put it on a wall, just like little affirmations to remind me it's okay. You're not alone. It's scary, but you can jump into this and don't be afraid of failure because failure right. is not a bad thing. Failure helps <sighs> us to grow and learn. So true. Yeah, that's exactly right. In failure, there is growth. In failure, there 100%. is growth. 100%. I, I feel like the hardest times in my life where you're like, oh, why is this happening to me? You, That's when you're growing the most. Yeah. <laughs> Can attest to that. This has just been such a good conversation so far, and you've had so many good little nuggets. I can't wait to listen to this back and play all of these little words of wisdom you've given us. Thank you. Um, (laughs) And so we have have two more segments that we'd like to do with you, and this really helps us and our listeners get to know you better. Okay. Which I love these. These are my favorite. So our first one is called Let Me Tell You Something, and this is... (laughs) Stems from Brandy and I, basically those calls that you have with your girlfriends where you're like, girl, let me tell you something. And it could be anything. It could be something that happened to you this week or recently. It could be a cover on pop culture or something you're loving. So as our guests, we'd like to hear from you. What is there something that you would like for us to know about? Oh, wow. Something. uh, Let me tell you something. Well, there is something I am super excited about. So I... I have been interviewing for new roles, ready to make a change, and was interviewing for a head of marketing role at this company. And uh, I was the top three finalists. And so had my final interview. It was an all-day deal on site. And I just love this team, love this organization. And uh, they have a new president and she is just is super dynamic. Like I'm just in awe. And so anyway, I hear back from the recruiter and he's like, look, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news, but it's all going to, it's, I promise at the end of this call, you're going to be happy. I'm like, okay. And so he's like, well, you didn't, we didn't pick you for the head of marketing role, but the reason we didn't pick you for that role is because the president wants you to be her chief of staff. And I'm like, wait, huh? What? So, oh my and, gosh. I'm yeah, gonna... I'm, I'm so, wow. like, I'm so stunned. 
I, you know, something like this has never happened to me. You know, I go for a job and that's the job and I get that job. But that she saw this in me that, oh, I need her to be my right hand, my chief strategist, and didn't even know this job was available, didn't even, I mean, I had no idea. So yeah, so that's something new that I am so excited about. It's my first time in a chief of staff role. And it's something that's a little scary because chief of staff roles are always like, well, what exactly do they do? And what is that, you know, um, because I've been doing all this research And so I'm using my own advice of sort of doing it afraid, but I'm so excited and I really feel like this is kind of the perfect job for me. It's all the things that I absolutely love to do. So I'm just excited. And so that's something new that's happening uh, for me. I start next month and I am, I'm giddy with excitement. Congratulations. Congrats. Thank you. So our last segment is called Rapid Fire. And this segment, we usually make our own sound effects like pew, 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 pew. For, <laughs> we think it's funny. Wah, 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 wah. I don't know if the rest of the world finds it as amusing no. as we do. but <laughs> So these are questions that we ask every guest on the show as a way to get to know you a little bit more, delve a little deeper. So mm-hmm. our first one, if you could have one superpower, what would mm-hmm. it be and why? Oh, yeah. This is one. Do Does everybody think about this a lot? Because this is one I think about a lot. Like man, My kids ask me this question a lot. So I've had to ponder it for the sake of my children. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, but for me, it would probably be transportation. I would love to be able to transport myself in different places in history and with so that I could see, you know, some of these my icons and even like, you know, relatives that have passed away that I could go back and engage with. My mom passed away in 2007. So I would love to transport myself back and, you know, see her as a child and see her as a young adult. And, you know, those types of things that you just don't, ways you don't get to know your parents. But yeah, I would love that some of these other skills, like reading people's minds and stuff, I'm like, that's kind of creepy. And I don't think we want to know what other people are thinking. That seems stressful to me. Exactly. It's anxiety inducing. Like, some people might not be thinking great things about you. And do I really want to know that? Like, mm -mm. I'd rather not know. I love your answer. I really love your answer. That's so, yeah. So basically time travel. Yeah, time travel. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, this is a fun one. What is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, yes. So I am a, I was in high school in the 80s, okay, late 80s. So I am a big 80s band girl. And Journey is everything for me. Like their greatest hits is part of my regular rotation in my playlist. So don't stop believing. I saw that one. It is yes. my <laughs> song. I, I kill the crowd with it because number one, they don't expect me to come up there singing Don't Stop Believing. Uh-huh. And I am like giving it all I got. I love Journey. So it is Don't Stop Believing. Huge. You know, I was a huge Steve Perry fan. And, you know, I think he he was one of the best singers ever. And yeah, that it it's that. Always a crowd pleaser. That's a good one. 
It is, right? You just kill the crowd with it every time and yes. everybody loves it. Yes. I, I feel like that song is so timeless. Like oh. everyone just always gets into it. Yeah, man. Yeah, it makes you happy. You yeah. know, if you're of a certain age, it transports you back to your high school days or whatever. And it's just, it's good. It's a good song. <laughs> and you know what? How fitting is that song for this podcast episode? Yeah. We might have our title. Yeah, that is true. That's a good idea. <laughs> Ooh. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that's <laughs> Like that. So this question's a little bit deeper, Tanya. What do you feel has been the most rewarding part of your current life stage and why? Ooh, of my current life stage. The most rewarding part, honestly, is me feeling wise. I, like, I feel wise. My children and I have a super close relationship. They're adults. And um, have a son and a daughter, and we are so close. But they they come to me for advice. They call me to talk about life things. You know, my daughter and I we talk in some way, shape, or form every single day, text or or phone call or something, or on Insta sharing stupid things on Instagram. My son and I, though, because of his job, we talk like. I mean, we talk text and stuff, but we really talk once a week. But he and I will be on the phone for an hour, easy, you know, just talking. And so I just love the fact that they come to me for advice and that it's because they know I really do give them good advice. And I, I feel the sense of wisdom now because I've, I've lived through so many different things and and done so many different things you know i've kind of lived three different lives and so that that's the most rewarding thing is to feel this sense of wisdom and that i can impart it particularly to my children but even to their friends their friends even come to me for advice about things which i love because they're all my babies you know and so so i i love that i feel like there's a sense of wisdom and even the conversations amongst my girlfriends and you know, I, I just feel wise now in a way that I have never felt and been able to own that. And I love that. I have a question, not that this is related to rapid fire, but it's something that really stood out to me in talking about how close you are with your kids. Mm. Is there, and so many of us, like Angelina and I have younger kids. She has a middle schooler and one in elementary school. Mine are both in elementary and many mm -hmm. of our listeners kind of have kids at various ages, is there anything that you feel like you did as your kids were growing up to really instill that closeness and that relationship that you have today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, listen, first of all, I made plenty of mistakes. So don't get me wrong. Like as parents, we are going to make mistakes because nobody gives us a manual on how to do this. Right. But I think the biggest thing I did right was that I always had an open environment where my kids could come and talk to me about anything. And as a parent, you have to be you have to be super mindful because they will come to you with something that will that might rock your world. But you've got to take an internal deep breath because they're expecting you to blow up or overreact or have some visceral reaction. 
and you have got to calm yourself because it is in that, that is, that moment is a core moment. Like you can't mess that moment up because they'll never come back to you again. So yeah, I think that is really the one thing that I know I did do right is that my kids could come to me about anything and even things that they thought they make it in trouble for, but because they came to me, um, we were able to work through it in a calm, you know, way, just, just having a discussion about a better way to handle this or that, or whatever it might have been. So I really think that is the biggest thing, you know. Um, I have a son and a daughter. Sons are a little easier in a little respect. Daughters, that middle school time, man, is rough. And uh, and that's when my daughter and I really had our roughest time. It was like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. But really by ninth grade, and she learned, man, I can, I really can't talk to my mom about anything. So, you know, it from then on, it's been awesome. And, you know, my son, it was just, him wanting to play sports and not, you know, care that much about school per se and those types of things. But, um, but yeah, I really think that's the thing I did right is that I created an open environment for my children to be feel safe coming to me about anything. Thank you for that. I was going to say that. Thank you for sharing that. That's one of the things that I just pray for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When my kids yep. get older. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. For sure. Yep. Yep. And we had not to do this again, but it also made me think of our episode with Candy and uh, Merritt Peterson in our last season. It was a mother-daughter. We had an episode with them and it was really about marriage journey through cancer, but also we talked mm -hmm. about their mother-daughter relationship and how they're super close. And that was one of the pieces of advice that Candy had was like being open and mm -hmm. being receptive to, to the conversations that they bring. And it's something that I have to figure out a way to continue to remind myself about that because I want to have that relationship with my kids. And I admire the relationship that you have with your kids and how other family members and, and, you know, Candy and Merritt, like people who we see in life have these incredible relationships with their kids into adulthood is something that I think we all treasure and, and hope for. So. Yeah. I, I cherish our relationship. It's like, I mean, you know, it's nice when your kids actually want to hang out with you, want to be with you, want to spend time with you, because we do know those parents that might not have that. And it's 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 sad, you know, and now I can say, you know, they are my best friends. They really are. Now, when they were younger, I wasn't interested in being friends because I needed to be a parent. And so I wasn't interested. In, uh, but now that they're adults, um, we're, we're the best of friends and I cherish that so much. Oh, thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's all I want. I want my kids to like me when they grow yeah. up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that we could talk to you for so many more hours <laughs> and I wish we could. But for our audience to learn more about Tanya, her book, Suddenly Single, or to read a few excerpts, from her book, you can visit TanyaWadeWilliams.com and that's T-A-U-N-Y-A-W-A-D-E-Williams.com and we will have the link in our show notes. Tanya, is there any other location where our audience can follow you? 
on Instagram, it's Tanya. Well, really on all socials, Tanya Wade Williams everywhere. So Instagram, you know, Facebook. And I would love to connect with people. And thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to read your book. Oh, thank you. It's a fun ride. (laughs) It's right up my alley. Thank you so much, Tanya. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you guys have a great week. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Talk 40 to me. so much for listening in and as a member of our community we want to hear from you follow us on social at talk 40 to me podcast and share your feedback on today's topic how is the conversation relevant in your life and is there a topic you'd love to hear us discuss on that note cheers to aging gracefully living life to the fullest and enjoying another day with your besties in life